it is truly overwhelming to know how much he loves us as we're singing that song i mean first service was emotional i think this one just got more emotional that his love never changes towards you it never does i i don't know what your um, night has been like like it says But in the morning, He will show up. And sometimes we have those long nights. It just seems like we go through something forever. But He is still faithful. And it just seems like sometimes it's like, Lord, when, when? And it's like, He will never forsake you. Never. It might not be in your timing that He comes through, but He will never, ever not come through. Not when it comes to His promises. He will always come through. And, you know, just singing that song, it's like, Your love never changes, Lord. It really doesn't. It should draw us to our knees. It should draw us to a place of just going, Lord, thank you for loving me. It's been hard, but your love never fails. It is faithful. And um, I know Jim just prayed, but let's just spend a moment of quietness and pray, pray for you. You pray for you. Pray that God would prepare your heart. And at the same time, pray for me as I deliver this message. So let's just quiet our hearts. Do your work now, I ask, Lord. In Jesus' name. We are in uh, James chapter 2. And we have gotten to a portion in the book of James, James chapter 2, where some feel that there is a controversy here in this portion, talking about faith and works. The controversy of what James is saying about faith and works and what Paul says in his letters about faith and works. And guys, it's a portion of Scripture that, man, you, my heart for this morning for you is that you truly just, just see James's heart as he's sharing. But the depth of, of what is here, please do not take it lightly, of what James is, is, is sharing in his heart here. And it's an important part of Scripture, really, really is. I know all of it is, but if you can understand this, because... I, I really don't think that there's a controversy at all. Not in this portion of Scripture. If you understand where both of these men are coming from, when you understand that what, what James is, is trying to get across as he's writing to the believer, and what Paul is getting across throughout his letters, there is no controversy whatsoever. Uh, the, the just of what Paul says in his letters is, is, is that you cannot work for your salvation. You just can't. There's no way that you, whatever you think you can do to earn salvation, there is nothing. And that's what, Jay, that's what Paul talks about. And so he's talking about works trying to build up to salvation, where James, James on the other hand, is saying that works are an evidence, or is the evidence, of your salvation. Because now you are a Christian, because you call yourself a Christian, there should be an evidence, something that proves that you are. 
And so they're two different kinds of subjects, but they use the same wording. And that's where I think oftentimes people read it. It's like, well, wait a minute. They kind of freak out a little bit. It's like, well, I just read what Paul said. And now what James says, and I'm confused. It's like, it's not that difficult, peeps. It really isn't. I know, I know that, that for centuries, it seems like people have been, you know, all the controversies. And, and, and I'm not here to like settle the issue. I'm not that smart, but I am a simple man. I'm very simple. And I truly believe that there is no controversy, not when you begin to understand where both of these guys are coming from. As a matter of fact, again, it's not complicated when you put things in perspective. When when Paul wrote in Ephesus or to the Ephesians, he kind of says the same thing as, as what James is trying to convey here. You know, again, he, we, we, we see a good picture here in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, where, where Paul is writing, he says, For by grace you have been saved. It is pure grace. It is unmerited favor. There is nothing you can do to be saved. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And then he says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Saying basically the same thing. Because James is not dealing with salvation here. He's saying, if you call yourself a Christian now, there should be some evidence, there should be some good works that are associated with your salvation. Where Paul is saying, you can't work for it. But once you are saved, you've been called for for good works. So it's not that difficult, right? If we can understand it, I don't know why those guys can't. But... But I think sometimes they, they try, it's like, what is, it's like, it's very simple. The Word of God is, is simple. It's not complicated. It's just uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> that's what we, it's like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. It's like, no, you just don't want to do it. That's, that's, I think, where most of the problem is, is, is our hearts, because we know it, we see it, we read it, and we're going, oh, geez, I don't know if I want to do it. That's where the complication comes in, oftentimes in our, in our own hearts. Because Christianity is meant to be practiced. It is meant to be practiced. And the only way that others can see our Christianity is by our works, by our conduct, our action. That is the only way other people will see who we are. If we claim to be a Christian, because we could hear a lot and we can talk a lot, but if we are not doing a lot <laughs> with what we have heard or, or what we have talked about, what good is it? What good is it if we don't put it into practice? How, how, how will we know if our faith is real if we don't live it out? If we don't do something with it? And again, the instructions that we all need are written right inside this book that you have on your lap. From start to finish, basically. How will others know if it's real in our lives? If they don't see it. If they don't see any kind of evidence in your life of of faith. You, You talk a good game. You say a lot. 
but there's no like real evidence to prove what you've been talking about. And so James goes on to share with us some very practical application, <laughs> applications of how we are to live this Christian life. Our Christian life is to be lived out by what we do, not by what we hear or say. What good is a Christian life if it's not practical? If it's too far reaching that we can never attain it, God would not do that to us. He would not say, here, jump. Jump, come on, you can do it, jump. He will come down to your level where you're at and make it practical. And teach you what to do at your level, wherever you're at. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, or you've been just barely coming to Jesus, He will meet you right where you're at and say, I will make it practical for you. And I think oftentimes us oldie but moldies here, you know, we kind of make it more, more hard, more hard, harder. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's very practical. It's a very practical thing to do. Um, again, what good is Christianity if we, if we can't put it into practice? If we say it's just unattainable. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, My brethren... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. The poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty." For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, 
but you do not give them the things which are necessary for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. For, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith by your, without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? We'll stop right there. We'll finish the rest of it at the end, and we will finish. But going back to verse 14. Again, when you begin to read this, it's like, okay, you can make sense of, okay, I can understand somewhat of a controversy, but again, I don't think... Uh, James is dealing with the fact of salvation, he is throwing out a question. He's throwing out a question of, of someone who says, you know, that, that you have faith, but, but without works. It's like, can you be saved like that? I, I think that's where the question is, and that, that's where people is like, is he making a statement? No, no, he's asking a question. What does it profit anybody to say you have something, but you, but you don't do anything about it? I, I, I like the way the, the Amplified puts that particular verse. Verse 14, it says, What is the use, profit, my brethren, if for, for anyone to profess to have faith if he has no good works to show for it? Can such faith save his soul? Again, he asks the question, can that, is that possible? To profess that you have something, that you do something, and, and you really don't do anything with it? Does that jive? Does that, does that go together? It, it, it's almost like, what good would it be for a married couple to profess their love for one another, but never do anything to show that love? What, what, what good would it be if you keep on professing that you love one another, but you never share any kind of love whatsoever with each other? Can that marriage survive? Would it be possible to su- survive if you never showed each other that kind of... And, and it's interesting because you would say, well, I'm sure the couple would eventually come to, together and say, well, we, we say that we love each other and we talk about loving each other. But we have never shown each other any kind of that love. Why are we together? <laughs> you know, it, it, it would almost come to that point. It's like, why, why are we still hanging out with each other? It's all talk. It, it gets us nowhere. And as odd as that might sound for a married couple, James is saying that those who profess that they have faith, but they never have any kind of evidence of their faith, what good is it? It sounds the same thing. You never, you're, you're talking a lot, you're saying a lot, but you really haven't showed anything at all. Look at what Jesus says of this kind of faith in Matthew 23. Now you can go to Matthew 23. We're going to go there again in a little bit in that area. But you might want to jot down a lot of these scriptures because my heart is that you would go back to these scriptures and really, really see and take to heart what Jesus is saying here. 
Guys, they are important portions of Scripture that we as Christians should know and be checking ourselves in constantly. Because Jesus here in, in chapter 23 of Matthew says something that, that, that is pretty hard-hitting. And all of this that we're going to be looking at is hard-hitting. And if we don't take it seriously, then again, you will have to check yourself after we read the, these Scriptures and find out where do you stand? Where do you lie in this, in this faith that you, that you claim, that you profess? Verse, verse 1 of Matthew 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do, observe. Observe that. Uh, observe. Okay, let me start over again. Verse 3. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay, on, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But, they, but all their works are, but all their works they do to be seen of men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge their borders of their garments. What Jesus is saying here to us, to, to His disciples, is that these Pharisees, they talked a good game. They said a lot. And they, 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 they preached or they... They proclaim the Word of God, but they themselves did not do it. He says, do what they tell you to do because it is the Word of God, but don't do what they do. Because they do, but they, do, they, they, they say a lot, but they never do it. They, they, they will put trips on you. They will, they will lay heavy burdens on you, but they will never get down in the trenches with you to help you. They're just there to tell you, but they never act out their own faith. They will put a trip on you that you should be doing it, but they themselves will never do it. You know, they like to be seen of men. It's all, all an outward show so that everybody could say, wow, check them out. But Jesus knew their heart. And He says, they're dead on the inside. Don't do as they do. Do what they tell you to do, but don't do as they do. Because they're hypocrites. How, how would it be how, how would it look? And how long would you put up with me as your pastor if week in and week out I only talked about my faith but I never really showed you my faith? I, I, I put a lot of things out there but you never seen me practicing what I preach. I, I talk a really good game and I can talk forever. And you guys know that. And I knew what to say, how to say it. I knew where to say it and when to say it. But I never really practiced what I preach. How long would you, would, would you sit there? How long would it be before you, you started questioning my faith? thinking, wait a minute, Zeke, there's just some inconsistencies because you preach it, but you don't do it. Your walk doesn't match your talk. It just doesn't add up. At, at what point 
would you finally get to the point to say, Zeke, I think your faith is kind of shallow. It's kind of empty. It's like worthless because I see no evidence in your life. There is no life in what you say, in, in, in how you live. You say a lot, but you don't live it. <clears throat> that would be a dead faith. That would be all for show. What would be the use of calling myself a Christian, calling ourselves Christians? What would it profit me or what would it profit you if I did nothing with what I knew and what I said? It wouldn't profit me nothing in the end at all. And it wouldn't profit you anything at all. Matthew seven twenty one, the portion that I will be covering on Thursday, th- this is what Jesus said as He's finishing the Sermon on the Mount. After giving all this instruction and, and, and catching their attention, as He's finishing up, He says, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of My Father. Not everyone who, who sits here day in and day out, week in and week, week out, will, will, will get to the, the throne room and say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, who are you? I never had a personal relationship with me, with you. And you're going, but I was there all the time. Don't you remember? It's like, I never knew you. You put on a great show, but I, 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 never, had, I never got personal with you. You were all talk. <laughs> And when you cry out, Lord, Lord, I'm going to say, I don't know you. I'm sorry. Get. Get away from me. It's kind of sad. And, and, and I guess this is why my heart hurts for, for us when we read these portions of Scripture, when we see this and we continue living a life that has no evidence of what we're, we're professing. Shouldn't there be something there? Or is it a dead faith that you have? Verses 15 and 16 here. He says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what good is it? What does it profit? Here James gives his readers in this scenario that he puts before us a challenge. A challenge that, that, that Christians often are faced with. People come to you with a situation in their life and you end up saying, um, call the church office. They'll take care of you. Is it possible that God is saying, wait a minute, I put them at your doorstep, I put them in front of you, and I wanted you to minister to them, and you pawned them off. (laughs) And I call it a challenge, but in reality, it's a test of our good works. Are we going to put our good works into action or not? The things that He is telling us to do. Are we going to put them in action? Because John, the Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says this. 
But whoever has the world's goods and sees a brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. <laughs> Hard hitting, isn't it? Turn, turn back to Matthew chapter 25. I'm not done with you. <laughs> no, I'm not done with us. Because I'll tell you what, this is one of the, another portion of Scripture that's just been hitting me all week as I was studying it. And they're important portions of Scripture, people. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left hand. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will say, then they will answer, also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will, be, will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to everlasting life. You see, we can see the, the, the practical aspects of life here, of, of, of a Christian life. Because He puts people in our lives day in and day out. And He, and he tests our, our, our faithfulness. Will we step it up? Will we do what He is asking us to do? And that's why my heart is, pay attention to these Scriptures. They are a reality. 
They are a reality in your life day in and day out. Because again, oftentimes God puts people in your lives and you say, oh, geez, oh. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. It's like, yeah, but there's so many people out there that are just manipulators and this and that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know that. I know that. But when Jesus puts somebody in your life and he he tells you, I want you to help them, you're going, oh. Oh, geez, I don't know. I don't know them. I, you know, and you begin to panic and you go, here's a bulletin car church because they will take care of you. It's like you are the church. <laughs> you are the church. And could it be, is it possible that he put them in your life so that you will do something about it and not the church? You're going, but, but, but you guys are, it's like, no, oftentimes he puts people in our lives to see what we're going to do. And oftentimes it's like, no, I, I, I don't want to, Lord. I'm not comfortable with that. You see, it's not complicated. <laughs> he, he told us right there exactly what we are to do. And my heart hurts because I know some will say, but Lord, didn't we? It's like, wait a minute, you didn't do it to any of the people I sent you. Here, why don't you step aside to the left? And you're going, What? What? And because I think James is getting to the end of our lives, not just in our everyday life, because he tests us throughout, but he gets to the end of our lives and he says, where are you going to stay or stand at the end, at the, at, at the judgment seat? Where are you going? I mean, it, it would be horrible that you would get this big old surprise or this shock going, ah, are you serious? Guys, this is important here. This is some practical applications of how it is to live a practical Christian life day in and day out because people will come into your life and you're going, call the church instead. Be warm, be filled, go somewhere else. Again, these scriptures are are clear in Matthew and 1 John and here in James. What good is it if we say we have faith if we're not going to do anything with it, the practical things that it says here. Because again, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Especially when it comes to the end of your life. Especially when you come to the end, when you stand before the judgment, it's not what you say, it's what you have done that He will look at. We've already looked at at John chapter 13 of what Jesus said, verses 17 or 15 and 17, a couple of times in this book of James, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. In verse 17, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Saying the right thing at the right time. And not doing something about it will not clothe that person that God put in front of you. It will not feed that person that God allowed to come into your life. And some would say, but I said, depart in peace in the name of Jesus. I said in a very spiritual, calm way. Be warm, be filled. And Jesus is going, but you did nothing. I know, but... But my intentions were like, oh, Lord, they're so hurting. Take care of them, Lord. Be on your way. (laughs) Sounds great, doesn't it? 
It's bunk. You did nothing with it. You did nothing with what He put in front of you. The phrase, it's the thought that counts, is stupid. (laughs) Not when it comes, it just doesn't cut it when it comes to faith. It doesn't. And that's what He's trying to get across to us, guys. Because we're faced with it day in and day out. That, that, that God is saying, here, what are you going to do with this? I've given you everything you need. It's like, I know, thank you, Jesus, for being on my side. And somebody else comes into your presence. You're going, oh, Lord, I just don't feel comfortable. And he's going, well, I didn't tell you it would be comfortable. I wanted you just to obey me. Dude, that's hard hitting. That, that, that's hard because, again, these scriptures, if we don't take them to heart, we're going to fail at them every time. And I never want you to have a false sense of security that you're saved and you're really not because of dead faith that you have. I think these are portions of Scripture that, again, they need to mean something to us. And not just walk out going, oh, Zeke, whatever. It's like, no, please don't, don't listen to me. Listen to what we've been reading and what Jesus has been saying. Because it means, it, it, this is for your life. As much as it is for my life, it's for your life too. Greatest intentions will never satisfy. It's the practical acts in our Christian life, day in and day out, that matter. It's the doing part that matters. That is what profits, not just us, because we get to get on the right side, but other people that we help help out. Because again, I know sometimes we're thinking it's like well, those people, they're always at the gas station or they're always... And, and, and he's talking about those people in here too. The people in here, take care of them. And you know what? When you're out there and God says that person, it's like, okay, Lord, I will be faithful. And some of you guys understand that. You guys have been put in those hard situations and you heard the voice of God and you go, it can't be you, God. <laughs> you would never ask me to do that. I don't associate with those kinds of people. This goes back to the showing partiality <laughs> that we read about earlier. <sighs> Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Merely having an intellectual faith without works or deeds is dead faith. You know it, but you never do anything with it. No man can come to Christ and ever be the same. The same way that that man would go put his hand on an electrical wire and be the same. Because if you touched an electrical wire and nothing happened, then there is no electricity running through that wire. It's dead. But if you touched it, you're not going to be the same for a little bit. It's going to put a charge in you. It's going to do something to where you can't just like hold it and say, nothing's happening. It's like, no, something should be happening. It's, it's dead. Jesus is like a live wire. You put your, because you can't say, well, I put my hand on Jesus and nothing happened. It's like, then, 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 then it's not a real faith that you even touched Jesus. You might have said it, you might have felt it, but it was not real. Because if you would have put your hand on Jesus, something should happen in your life. You cannot be the same. 
Just like somebody who touches electricity, you will not be the same. I believe what, what James is trying to get across here is quite clear. It's not complicated. It is uncomfortable, but it's not complicated. You can't say you have faith and not have evidence to back it up. True faith can never be by itself, as it says here. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. True faith can never be by itself. It cannot be contained. It has to be expressed. If it's come into you, it has to be expressed. It has to, be, it has to show itself some way, somehow, that there's a difference. Because it can't stay by itself. Or, 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 or to itself. True faith is to be shared. To have life. Otherwise it's dead. And what you profess is fake. And you're kidding yourself. Verses twenty or 18 to 20 here. Where it says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And I think this is, that's, this is the one verse that people are like, oh man, he's ta- saying that you've got to work for it. Again, put it in perspective. He's talking about after your salvation. After your salvation. And it's funny because as I was reading that scripture right there, I thought, man, it almost sounds like a faith showdown. <laughs> Put up or shut up. If you tell me that, that you have faith without your works, wait a minute here. I'll show you my faith by my works. It sounds like this scenario that this person is saying, don't just tell me you're a Christian, show me you're a Christian. Because I'll show you by my, by my works. Where's the evidence? He, he's kind of throwing that challenge out to that person. Where's the evidence? The challenger here is, is saying that you need more than words to accompany your claim of faith. You may have intellectual faith, you know it, and it may be accompanied by some emotions because you felt it. But where's the practical evidence? Where's the practical evidence in the, in the form of works? The challenger is saying here in this verse, let's put our faiths to the test here. Now, it doesn't tell us that where this kind of faith showdown would take place, but I could guarantee you it wouldn't, it wouldn't take place in an arena or a stadium or some kind of coliseum. It takes place in our everyday lives. That's where the showdown kind of comes up in your everyday life when you're confronted with things day in and day out. For someone to say, I have faith because I feel God. <laughs> I've, I've experienced Him. I, I, I just believe, I don't know why, but I just believe I feel good about myself. That's not enough. If it's not followed up with works or some kind of action that's associated with it. Because that person that says, well, I just feel this, you know, that I felt Jesus at one point and stuff. That, that person's faith has no depth. 
it has no no reaching value. Because they'll say, well, it's just it's a personal thing. It's just between me and God. It's my own little faith. It's like, no. It can't be your own little faith. It can't be by itself. It has to be expressed. Well, me and God have this thing going and, and it's just between me and Him. It's like, no, wrong. It can't be. It has to be outward. Most of the time, those people who have that personal little thing like this, and I, I understand a personal relationship, but when they say, well, it's just, you'll never see it, but it's just be me and God's thing. Those people can never explain to you what it means to have faith. They can't explain it, much less show it to you. Because it's just something that they felt. And there's nothing else associated with it. And if you ask them to show you your faith, they wouldn't know how to do it. They wouldn't know how to put their faith in action. To live it out. Because they've only known it up here or felt it. In other words, it would be hard for them because they would have to act like Jesus. And they don't know how to act like Jesus. See, that, that, that's, that's how this thing is, is portrayed when people start seeing Jesus in you because of the way you're conducting yourself. All of a sudden they're seeing Jesus, somebody different. And it's interesting because James, as he's, the challenge is here in verse 19, says, you believe that there is one God. Good job. Right on. Good. Good for you. Guess what? Even the demons believe. So what's the difference? What's the difference between their belief and your belief? If you can't show me any kind of evidence, well, I can tell you what Satan believes, but he shudders at, at what he knows. He, he understands. They understand. The, these demons, they understand. You see, it goes back to the good works thing. And if we had to define good works, it would boil down to loving others serving others, doing for others. And then that, that's in a nutshell. It's, it's broad. And some would say, well, I love, I love doing for others. I love serving others. I, love, I just love loving people. But would you do and serve and love those in your own household the same way you do others? Because it's easy when you don't have to live with them. They don't get on your nerves like the people in your house do. You know? It's the people in your house because that should be the first evidence of this good works because you're loving them. They are on your nerves 24-7. And you're still doing for them. You're still loving them through this. And I know that's where it becomes hard because it's like, no, it's easy to serve other people to like, oh, let me, let me just bless you. And your husband says, hey, honey, can you get out of here? How dare you even talk to me right now? Or vice versa, you know what I'm saying? Or when your siblings or your parents are, are asking, it's like, no! Ah, and you go to church, it's like, oh, what can I do? I want to I serve. It's like, hmm. Are you, are you being like that hypocrite, that, 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 that Pharisee that will do for everybody else, but not for the people right next to you? You see, the demons, they're not into the good works. But they believe. What's the difference? 
the, the, the demons, they do have a, a, a healthy belief in God. Demons are not atheists. They are not. <laughs> they are not agnostic. They know. They know for sure. But what's the difference between your faith and their faith? <laughs> or, or what they believe? And that's what he's saying. He said, because those guys, they tremble. They understand the depth of who Jesus is. And so you can't, be, you can't make the argument that James is just saying, well, you just have to believe, just feel good inside. That's not what he's getting at. He's saying, wait a minute here. You can't just know it or feel it. True faith will move you to action, to growth, to maturity. Verse 20 in the Amplified says, says this, Are you willing to be shown proof, you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellow, that faith apart from good works is inactive and inefficient and worthless? Again, he's talking to the church. <laughs> calls them you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellows. Don't get me wrong, I truly do understand that everyone goes through times in, in our faith where we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. I understand that. We, we've all been there. But is there any life in your faith at all? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do, not, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Now I know that it's easy to compare ourselves to other Christians and, 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 and in the faith and say, well, I'm doing more than they are. Or, well, I know I'm not doing as much as they are, but you know, they, they're professionals. They've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I know it's easy to compare ourselves to other people, but let's, let, let us not compare ourselves to other people. Let us compare ourselves to what the Word of God is telling us. L- let, let us look to that and say, Lord, what do you want from me? Not what that person is doing or not doing. Because that's easy to do. You know, there will be similarities in our good works because we, we, we are one body and we're called to good works. But we are different in many areas. And what God calls you to do good works and God calls you to do good works, they might be different, but they're good works nonetheless. But there's going to be similarities and there will be differences. And just because one person does this and go, oh man, they're a better Christian than I am. No, if God's called you to do that, then you do that the best of your ability if He's calling you to do that. Again, it's a matter of, 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 of being productive. Because you need to ask yourself a question. Is your faith, the, what you believe in, is it productive? Is there, is there growth and maturity and life in what you're following after? Or is it unproductive? Is it ineffective? Is it inactive? Is it worthless? Verses 21 through 26. 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by the works by works when she received the messengers and sent them out the other way? So as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. He gives us another facet to, to this works and faith thing that he's been talking about. And he, he wants to get across to, to us that it's not merely intellect, an intellect kind of faith or, a, or an emotional kind of faith. But it is also the will, the want to, the resolve to act on this faith. I stole this quote from Warren Wiersbe, a commentator. I changed it a little bit, but it, the justice is this. It says, The mind knows and understands the truth. The heart desires and stirs the truth. And the will acts upon the truth. James gives us two examples of people who acted out their faith. And we learned about them. We've seen them a little bit in the book of Hebrews and how they, they lived out their faith. They understood that it was not just a matter of knowing and feeling, but it was a matter of doing something with what they had been told to do. And they were never the same after that. It changed them. It changed their destination and their families. Their works gave evidence to, the, to their faith. In other words, they did something with what they knew and felt. They could not not do something. They could not not do something about it. First we see Abraham, the father of faith, he's called. He is justified. He is made acceptable by his works. If he had not acted the way on on, on what God told them, we wouldn't be talking about him the way we're talking about him now. We'd be talking about his failure. (laughs) Faith moved him into action. You see, it's not that complicated. It it boils down to being obedient. Being obedient to what God has told you to do in His Word. What is God telling you to do? Do it. If you know it, if you've heard it, then do it. Rahab, again, another person who, by faith, saved herself and her whole family. Not just because she sent the spies out a different direction, but she also tied a scarlet thread onto the window because she, she had made a covenant with these people. It's like, when you come and overthrow the city, look for the red thread. That's where we're at. Come and get us out. And boom, it happened. She had faith enough to put it. She, made, she, she put uh, action, uh, faith to action there. And so here we have Abraham and Rahab, two completely different people from opposite lives. And both of them acted in their faith. Faith was the force that was behind the deeds that they did. And the deeds is the final, the deed is the final act of faith. 
faith and works, as James is putting it here, are working together to make our faith perfect. Make it complete. Verse 22, where, where I, I underline where it says, Faith together works perfect. Faith together works perfect. Verses 24 and 26 through the Amplified, it says, verse 24, You see that a man is justified, pronounced righteous before God through what he does, and not alone through faith, through works of obedience as well as by what he believes. Verse 26, For as the human body apart from the Spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its works of obedience is also dead. I beg of you, my brothers and sisters. I beg of you. If you call yourself a Christian, do not take these portions of Scripture lightly. The ones that we've looked at in Matthew, 2 Corinthians, 1 John, and here, please make these like applicable to your life. Go back and read them over again and say, Lord, where am I at here? Guys, I never want you to get to the end of your life or, or stand before God and have this false sense of security that you're saved and you really are not. Because many people, they can come and they sit in this church day in and day out, week in and week out. And they are not saved. Oh, they felt something. Oh, they knew something. But it never really penetrated the heart. And many of you guys have been sitting here for a while. My heart is that you would take this serious because he's been hammering home this point. You don't want dead faith. You want faith that moves you. And that's my heart for you. Amen? Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father in heaven, I do just want to pray right now, Lord, that our hearts would be just preparing ourselves for this time of this last song, Lord God, that we would, I guess, check ourselves, like it says, Lord, to examine whether we are where we're supposed to be in the faith. And I just pray, Father, right now that if there's anyone here who's been playing that game of coming to church but never really grasping it, they, they, they've had a dead faith and they know it, Lord. Father, I just pray that right now you convict their hearts and that they would surrender all to you. I want to ask all you guys that as you're praying right now, as you have your, your head bowed and your eyes closed, that if there's anybody here and you know who you are, you've been here for a while and you know it's like, man, I've been putting on a show. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come on up, but I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you know that that's you, that you need to get right because it's just been a fake, phony faith that you've had. Just raise your hand. And I, just want to, I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody? Right on. Anybody else? I mean, you're, you're already Christian. I see that. You're already calling yourself a Christian, but now it's going to be a real faith. It's almost like put your hand on Jesus and you will never be the same. Anybody else before I pray for you? Right on. Father, I do want to pray for these who have raised their hands, Lord. Lord God, you're the one that sees their heart and they can fake everybody else out, Lord. But today they're acknowledging that they don't want to. They, they know that you see their heart. And I pray that this morning their lives will never be the same. Be, just be by acknowledging it, that, that they want different in their life, Lord. I pray that, God, you would give them strength.
Father, for the rest of my brothers and sisters who are here, who are struggling, Lord God, but they're moving forward, they're doing what you've called them to do, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, that, that the testing of their faith would produce the patience and, and that growth that they need and the people that you put in front of them, Lord God, that they would, again, Lord, just be obedient to what you call them to, to do. I pray for them as they all walk out these doors in a little bit, that God, go before them. I thank you, Lord God. Help us to be obedient, each and every one of us, Lord. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you at all, they've never accepted you, Lord, I pray that this morning they would realize just how much you love them and they would surrender their hearts to you. Lord, thank you so much for being so patient with us, for giving us your word that's so sharp at times, but it's necessary, Lord. And I just pray that we would receive this word into our hearts and live it. Go with my brothers and sisters, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.